Dynasty Think Tank. I am Chad Parsons. He is Jordan McNamara, and we share our research, experience, and acumen to build dynasty winners and unlock ceiling outcomes. Now is the time to seek elite results. Big three thoughts for the week, and we got a big back. We're going to start with Jonathan Taylor. Contract, life is good. He's back. He's a happy camper uh, there at the, ha- uh, the campsite of the Indianapolis Colts. Comes back. His start rate, I think, got into the 60s, and yet we had Zach Moss in the 40s. And it turned out workhorse role, long touchdown early. Everyone goes, oh my goodness, where is Jonathan Taylor? And it turns out Jonathan Taylor, this was like a preseason game where he saw touches basically when he was in the game, but he wasn't in the game for more than, you know, every, every two drives, it seemed like he would get a touch. And so Jordan, a lot of people got all messed around with Moss on the bench, Taylor in lineups, uh, you know, Swift swap, swift swap. You know, they just never got this right in week five. Where do you think this is going? And do you think the process of having Taylor in lineups generally and Moss generally not in lineups, was that good process or was that bad process? The Colts entire process on this is very difficult to predict. Uh, Refuse to pay him all off season. Put him on pop out of spite. Watch (laughs) them run for 139 yards per game with Zach Moss starting. Uh, pay Jonathan Taylor top pay of the market, yeah. and then 48 hours later, give Moss 17 more carries than Jonathan Taylor. I'm not exactly sure <laughs> what the through line is on that on that conversation. I'm getting nauseous on this ride, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I would say, uh, I, I mean, I think that they're going to give him the job. I, I, I'll say generally, though, I think Zach Moss has proven <laughs> himself highest... to be pre- pretty capable uh, backup. I think he's done pretty well. Again, the efficiency stuff bounced back this year. You can kind of look at Zach Moss in a couple of ways. I know some people said, hey, look at their EPA and some of their success rate stuff. Um, I actually think that when you look at them the reason why they're rushing uh struggled in terms of the efficiency metrics was actually because they were doing it too much and doing it in some suboptimal situations moss himself was always above expectation had pretty decent success numbers and uh versus expectation and um in the like there so um this is a run heavy offense that's good we'll see what it is with gardner Minshew. it might operate differently with gardner Minshew as well right i ultimately think john taylor is going to come back and be I think he's a top five running back in dynasty at this point, you know, in, in a slow start here and they get the benefit of doing that with, uh, with Zach Moss playing pretty well. Is, is it, could this be a similar story as Brees Hall? Let's think back to week one, right? It was clear cut starter Dalvin cook and it was Brees Hall kind of gaining momentum by the week. And guess what? This was the week, week five. And I know he's coming off of injury and it's not quite the same as Jonathan Taylor, but we always say that there's that, two to three weeks, like that's what training camp, that's what the preseason is for. You ramp up, you know, to get ready for the regular season. And I wonder if, you know, it's maybe still like a 60, 40 split with Moss this coming week. And then we start to see Taylor take over in the following game. Uh, They don't have their buy for a while. So they don't have that benefit of like Taylor gets one to two games. There's a buy and then he's, he's out ready to go, you know, with uh, like a bull, you know, breathing, breathing through his nostrils. Jacksonville is not a great matchup this coming week, but I think again, if I were projecting this or now that we have that data point, I would be saying that Taylor with bye weeks and injuries and all this stuff, he still could be someone, but I think 
that Moss in the lineup is probably more of the takeaway than Taylor has to be on your bench. I think if you, there's like a lot of different decisions you have within this bucket, but I think it's start Moss, you know, until he gets like sub 10 carries. And I think that's probably going to be week seven that you see the full changeover. I think it's going to be quicker than Brees Hall, um, you know, with the Jets. And we saw that take a, basically a month. I don't think it's going to take that for Taylor. And I thought he looked okay on his touches, but give him a couple weeks. And I think this is going to be the transition week of both of their start, start rates should probably be in the 40 to 50% range. And we go from there. And Moss is someone that we should expect a downturn of market share, but not an extreme flip-flop in one game. Let's say we're talking six weeks out from now. Do yeah. you see this as a Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt situation, or do you see this as a Christian McCaffrey, uh, Jordan Mason situation? Yeah. Right. Like, is it is it a one-two sort of tandem? Is it a is it a a one A and a one B, or is it a one and then a distant two? How do you sort of see that? Because I it wasn't a question that I thought I was going to ask on the show. Yeah. Until this past Sunday. I think it's, I remember, and as someone who has a lot of Jonathan Taylor, and I watched these Colts games closely, you know, in previous years, I was always flummoxed because the, his market share would be lower than you would think. But it was one one specific reason. Naheem Hines was there. And Naheem Hines offered something completely different as in terms of a change of pace guy, a guy very receiving centric, not that Taylor can't catch the ball, but they don't have that now. They don't have anybody. I mean, Zach Moss was basically a workhorse and he's a very similar type player. You know, he doesn't offer extreme receiving upside that Naheem Heights did, at least in their eyes of playing a completely different role than Taylor. So I think there's the possibility that we see Taylor with more market share than back when he had Naheem Hines at his peak. And and again, this is follow the money, right? Especially at running back. Like they didn't pay him that money and quote unquote cave when they said, we're not paying you, blah, blah, blah. Like there's, you know, these fences are, you know, they're going to have holes in it and who cares, you know, basically like that was the approach at points in this process. And now they pay him. And now the idea would be that it's going to be a 55, 45 split with a guy that's making almost nothing that makes no sense. That makes now to say everything makes sense. I mean, we're, we're, we're stretching reality sometimes, but I just think, I, I just think there's no way this is a like justice Hill and, and Gus Edwards situation of like, Ooh, that's really tight. <laughs> you right. know? So, so I, I think the, the key for me is, are we going to get there this week? And I think the answer is no, based on the truth. I, I don't think Taylor goes from like 15% share to, 60% in one week. I think he transitions and he's a one B and then boom, he's the one a, and then, you know, again, I think Brees Hall is pretty apt in terms of that progression we saw, but just a little quicker. Yeah. I, I looked back at the data from the past three years in terms of his, uh, when he played his snap yeah. share, his uh -huh. snap share, his rush attempts and his route percentage. Yeah. Uh, so last year it was 70, 70, 60. So 70% of Russia, 70% yeah. of snaps, 70% of rushes, 60% of routes. 2021, it was 70, 70, 50, right? 70% of snaps, 70% of rushes, 50% yeah. of carries. And then as a rookie, it was 50, 54 and 40. Um, I, I think it gets back to somewhere in that, like that workload of the last two years, but it wouldn't shock me if it's more 65 ish instead of 70, yeah. Uh, this for the year. record, 70 is a very high number for running yes, back. Like we agreed. had, we had Najee Harris, like at times, you know, he was seeing like literally 90 something, 
like basically not seeing. We see that occasionally if they really don't have options behind them. Christian McCaffrey, like we've seen games like that where like you watch the whole game, you're like, I didn't even really notice another running back on the field. It doesn't mean they weren't there, but it was very sparse and they certainly didn't get a touch. Um, but yeah, like 70%. I think it was more of a frustrating thing because he wouldn't play two minute and he wouldn't play like on third downs when Naheem Hines would get like five catches in a game. And you're like, well, he Taylor can do that. What's going on? Like, so it's more of the like owner, ownership uh, bias, you know, going through that. Uh, all right. Uh, next one we got is Justin Jefferson. I mean, what a big one. Uh, he's going to be out for a stretch here and you got the partial game. We hate that. And now we get missed time. We hate that. And now we've got is Kirk Cousins going to be there? Uh, you got the Vikings going nowhere. Um, and you have, you know, Brandon Powell saw a bunch of elevated time, you know, going from four, basically not playing a wide receiver to three. And now you get uh, Addison with a, a bigger target in terms of what's his role going to be in the offense. Hawkinson should be the one that just, I mean, he could bludgeon people with volume. He already was, and he might be a monster. Um, and then you have KJ Osborne, who shallow leagues could be available, but generally in Dynasty, not available. So uh, that's kind of what's left. And then you've got the Justin Jefferson of he's now out for a span of time, which is a killer if you have him. But does this make him 5% accessible, you know, in, in trading opportunities? Uh, I think it's worth asking. And we're going to talk about a trade in a little bit in the trade segment of the show. I do think it's worth approaching the Jefferson owner and seeing what they're looking for. Um, I think there's a couple of players in mind. There's three of them coming out of this week, and then one of them got hurt. Uh, but instantly, you know, when people ask, how do you rank Devon A. Shane? How do you rank DeAndre Swift? How do you rank DJ Moore? I said, those are guys you put in deals to get depressed guys like Justin Jefferson. I didn't know who it was going to be, but it's going to be somebody. And that is their role for a, to get you seek elite results for your dynasty team. That is their role uh, in that is, is, is those pieces in those deals that get those guys, right. That get the elite elite players when they're down. Um, I think if I had one of those guys, I don't think you can do it with a Shane now because a Shane's hurt as well. But if you have Swift, if you have DJ Moore that are producing above what you would expect them to do over the long term, that now's the moment to give the Jefferson GM, who's probably four and one, the off ramp to say, you know, here's some production, you know, and and we can close the gap on this. Right. That would be kind of what I would be thinking about doing in terms of the trade market. Yeah, Jefferson is the type of player that let's say this scenario plays out. If you trade for him, you are going to trade enough production that it is going to render you non-competitive this year. Let's say that's the scenario. I would still say you do it. Like he's one of the very select few players. If you're a fringe and you're like, well, I'm giving up two guys in my lineup plus this other guy who's starting to rise a little bit or whatever, but you're getting Justin Jefferson, that's a long-term play. This is like if Mahomes are out for the year, you should be trying to trade for him. <laughs> so this is the time. And again, Jefferson isn't out for the year, but there's some shading of maybe life isn't the same when he comes back, you know, and what, what's going on with Minnesota and what's going on for Minnesota in the macro. But there's a select handful of players that, especially if it's non-quarterback, that you have to be open to trading for if they get hurt or if that team says, I need production and you need to be willing to put something together and try to exploit some sort of injury discount, which could be prevalent. It's not huge. You know, it might be 5%, which may not be much at all, but it could turn from non-accessible to at least accessible and open to a conversation. 
Finally, we have Devon Achan. So Ferrari is in the shop. <laughs> Speedster, road car uh, there, going 120 miles an hour. Uh, thinks he can beat uh, Tyreek Hill in a race. He might. Who knows? Two cheetahs. I want to know who's the lion. That should actually be the race. I would watch that. Let's put it on in February. I want to see the race. Um, again, he was in a formal committee with Raheem Mostert, and now he's in the shop. It makes fascinating the Jeff Wilson shares you have. It makes fascinating Salvin Ahmed on the, the waiver wire of just who's going to be the last man standing. And that depth chart is interesting no matter who is there at present for the Dolphins. Um, so Achan plus all the tentacles here. Um, what are your thoughts coming out of week five? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, one of the questions was, can a running back that's sub 190 pounds really sustain for the long term? Um, I'm not sure if at if at 230, a guy like, um, uh, you know, Ramondre Stevenson would suffer this injury. I, I can't say that. I, I don't know. But um, that's been you only play a doctor on the weekends. <laughs> I only play, yeah, <laughs> only after I play, stay at a Holiday Inn Express. Um, the, the, so again, I think that that, whether or not it's whether it's true or not in this scenario, I think that will be something that continues to stick to his uh, his valuation, right? And his his profile as, as a dynasty asset that will be a part of it, um, as a, as it should be, because you don't see running backs that size sustain for a long period of time. You just do yeah. not see it happen, right? For a variety of reasons, and I'm not necessarily sure that this is one of them. Um, so. I look at this and say, okay, well, Jeff Wilson is coming back right now. You know, does he kind of slot back into being, you know, in a tandem with Raheem Mostert, right? I think that's an interesting aspect. I had actually cut him earlier this, you know, I think last week uh, in a place where I didn't have rosters. And I think it might've been to actually roster Amari DiMicardo. Uh, so that's a whole other story there. Um, but it's, it's, I, I think he could have some value and I'd be curious to see how this running back situation goes in. Again, you feel good if you're a Mostert guy, if you have Mostert, right? I think you feel really good about that as well. So, um, you know, this is a classic Shanahan backfield where you could throw almost anyone in it. And I think it's going to be pretty darn good because they're all basically this very, very similar profiles. Yeah. And I do find it interesting. They kept Ahmed who runs a four, three. And they got rid of the four five five guy in Miles Gaskin. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, again, the uh, the offense that is Al Davis would be so pleased <laughs> with his offense that uh, you know they're building it for for speed. They're building it for the track. And again, right now it's flying. It's working. They have health, plenty of healthy guys that that are those those huge uh, cars. And I, I do wonder what does this offense look like without Tyreek Hill. You know, do you have, what does it look without Tua? Like, what does it look without, uh, we already saw with Jalen Waddle, things were fine. So I, I just, I do wonder how, if one or two sprockets end up breaking on this, on this bike uh, wheel, what happens? Because it feels like it's perfectly put together, but part of it is just the stress of all of it, not the stress of one thing. So that's just what, something that I'm swirling around. Mostert has been such a huge surprise. Like it was like, how long can this guy stay healthy? He saved a few of my teams so far. Like I didn't have a whole lot of, that was predictable early in the season at running back and he was predictable and he's been great. So if he can stay healthy, he is a, a league changing player in terms of giving you something at the right time from who knows what you're going to get. Um, so that's been highly encouraging there. 
Um, and Achan, like you mentioned, he seems like the perfect stepping stone player. Like you said, he has a lot of flash to him. And, you know, at, before this last game was probably the biggest window, right? Like people talking top 10 dynasty back and, you know, like what can he get you? And the answer was probably a lot. And now this week it's a little softer because cars in the shop. So that's sometimes how fickle it is. You were like, oh, I got this huge difference maker in my lineup every week. This is going to be awesome. He doesn't even have to get more than 50% of the market share of that backfield. And the very next game, yeah, I got a flat tire. So, just... yeah. and it's ambiguous. See, here's the other thing. It's ambiguous. When's he playing next? Right. Don't know. Don't right. know. All right. Uh, trade segment. Did I get enough? Justin Jefferson in the crosshairs. We got Justin Jefferson for AJ Brown and DeAndre Swift. So I think this is interesting because Jefferson is a step above Brown. Brown's basically the best that he's ever been this year in terms of like all his underlying stuff. Um, He's two years older and he's still not Justin Jefferson. That's kind of the the way that I would come down on this. And great, but not elite. Yeah. He's, he's, he's like awesome. Right. But it's just a different level with Jefferson. And I think as well that you're going to be, you know, it's a, it's a higher passing offense as well. And I don't see that really changing over the course of, of AJ Brown's trajectory that this goes into being this, you know, the super high uh, passing offense, you know, we'll see if maybe that changes a little bit on the Minnesota side with cousins. We'll, we'll see all, how that all unfolds, but um, I don't believe in Swift enough to give up on Jefferson for this deal. Yeah, I, I think Swift, I don't think people are recognizing the what happens next. Like Dynasty running back, I understand if you want to treat it like redraft, but I think when you get to certain bands of value, you can't treat it like it's redraft. Like I think we treat a lot, like we'll we'll treat two-thirds of our, our running back roster spots like redraft. We'll we'll treat it like candy. In and out, in and out. Do I like this guy? Kind of. What about next week? I really like him. We'll do that with a lot of roster spots. However, it's not Swift isn't in that bucket. He's in the higher bucket of now he's worth something. And I don't think people realize that he had a team say, no, thank you. Get out of here. And then draft another guy in the first round. And this was a day three pick. He's got minimal allegiance. And the whole what happens next. And don't forget, he's been a guy that's been off injured. Going back to college through like this has been has this not been the most predictable stretch of his i mean let's say i mean has he ever had you know a six to eight week segment Uh, like i'm healthy big he's getting a big workload and he's not getting much use in the passing game which is where you thought maybe that would actually benefit him most they haven't been doing that that's kenny gamewell's job so i kind of look at this backfield and i've quietly I would say in in the opening month of the season, I've picked up an extra two to three shares of Rashad Penny. I think Penny could be doing a large chunk of what Swift is currently doing. And I think you have to be really careful of asking this question. Swift is worth what right now? And if he gets hurt and he's out for a month or two months or the season, how do I feel then? And that really affects on what you think is a dynasty asset and what you don't. And I guarantee you, if Swift were out for that span of time, there would be a seismic change to his value in terms of like what he would be coming back to. Um, are the Eagles going to bring him back? What does that probability structure look like? And if that's the case, 
you can't sit here and value that guy like running back 15 or something in dynasty. You just can't do that. I know he's 24 and I know he's kind of showing what we thought he could do with the lions or whatever we thought the upside was, but he's already been moved on from during a rookie contract to go somewhere else. And he's being used up by a team that honestly doesn't have a lot of preference at running back, right? Oh, I like this guy. Oh, let's bring in Penny. Uh, we really like Gainwell as a day three guy. Oh, Boston Scott's still kicking around. I think they would use any of that stuff and be fine. They're not hell bent. Like, I think they're using them up. Hey, we got this guy. Let's run him, you know? And they might be happier in December if they're running Rashad Penny as the starter. Like, who knows what they really think? So they're giving him 20 touches for now but I think it's highly, highly volatile on what November looks like for uh, DeAndre Swift. Yeah, with you. And and he hasn't been one you can really rely on for the long term, right? That's the, right. That's the part about it. And again, well, I dynasty think that's, running that's... back, you need a profile to be long-term. His yeah. isn't it, right. right? Right. Can you view him like a round two running back? I don't know. The team that spent the round two pick moved on quickly. Yeah. So, I mean, they had him insulated. That to me is the most quizzical thing. Like Kadarius Tony, I think is fascinating, right? A guy that's, you know, and Swift, the same sort of accord where it's like you have cost control and you're like, we got, we, we, we got to move on. Like, that's a very interesting, like Trey Lance, right? Like, look at all this investment. We got, we, we got to move on. <laughs> like, right. I find that fascinating. Right. Fascinating. All right. Uh, we got a couple ancillary trades here. Devin, uh, Devon Achan. Uh, also traded for Najee Harris and Isaiah Pacheco. Um, I think I'm taking Achain here. Uh, this might be atypical, right? You would I would usually bet the pedigree side, mm-hmm. um, but you're you're trying to catch a falling knife with the shooting star, right? I don't I don't think that this is the way that you'd buy low on Najee Harris, right? You buy what's the rule? You buy low, you package up to buy low. You don't yeah. sell the you best pay a third and some running back that pops. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is and not paying be, a third and a running back that pops. <laughs> it's not. So that would be the the thing that I would say. Like again, I have for all the reasons that we said earlier, I have questions as comments and concerns about Devonation's longevity. Um, you just you just don't see many guys to standard deviations below the the average top 24 hit. Just, I mean, that's the definition of a standard deviation and he's below that number. Right. So that's the, that's the question and concern there that I have. Um, but still, I think every principal would say, all right, like you don't trade the best player for a reclamation project. Right. I don't think that's what you do. Yeah, and we're pretty selective when we trade. Like, if we were to say yes and thumbs up to a one for two trade, we're pretty selective in the type of things that we look for in that trade, right? We're trying to make it a two way go. Technically, this counts because it's two and it's one. So, mm-hmm. but it's not really like what we like to do is get like picks added on to a player that we view similarly or might even have better short term outs, right? And that's not this type of deal. I will ancillarily, that's not even a word, say that Pacheco is one that I've really been encouraged that he's rising to that lead back role. I think we've seen some games of more than 60%. I think he was at 65% in a game this season of rushing market share. I, I really like that he's fitting well with what the Chiefs are trying to do right now. And he gives them that more physical element that frankly, they haven't had. They haven't had for, you know, pre-Pacheco, they haven't had that for a while. So, um, again, football-wise, I, I, again, dynasty-wise and, and 
you know, is he going to be used enough in the passing game with 30% route shares and stuff like that? I'm not really sure, but it's been encouraging to see what he adds to that offense as they try to find their new, new way here in 2023. So completely insane. All right. Uh, Romandre Stevenson. I hope this isn't too sensitive for you, Jordan. <laughs> Romandre Stevenson traded in Superflex for a 24 first. Take the pick. Are you surprised he pulls that? Yes. Okay. I mean, what a month it's been for him, right? Not great. Not great. I mean, because rewind, we were not expecting this much of a committee. I mean, I thought it was possible, but it's been close to 50-50. Yeah. They like Ezekiel Elliott. Bill Belichick likes Ezekiel Elliott. We knew that before he got there. But yeah, Stevenson. And now here's the thing. All of a sudden, you look at a guy that isn't dominating market share on his backfield, and all of a sudden, his age and pedigree look a little differently than if he was <laughs> like running back five in production, right? Right. We right. wouldn't care as much. Right now, it's like, eh, he's 25. He came out early. He came out late. I remember that. And you're like, eh, day three guy. I mean, if he finishes this year with a whimper, all of a sudden, 2024 looks a lot differently than if he's some dominating workhorse. Yes. Man. Yeah. You got to take the first. And would you add a second to get the first or no? I don't think he's fallen that far yet. Okay. Um, if you're a I contender, would, would you throw in that, you know, projected playoff second? Um, I would, you would interesting. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it, I'd like to know where the first is too, right? If it's going to be a late first, I mean, you're basically trading what it, you're valuing him outside the top 80 in dynasty at that point. I mean, I, I don't know. Sure. Like if it's, I think he's got, he has outs to be better than that would be what I would say. So I probably wouldn't do that if it's a mid to contending for a second and a late okay. first. So if I thought there was a chance it was a non-playoff first, then I would probably add the pick. Yeah. Um, I had a a, a good life and dynasty lesson learned in parallel here. Uh, happened, honestly, week five, um, as well as some situations. I was walking, we were walking around today. And again, this is a common situation. I'm sure anyone in some sort of urban environment, but we saw we saw a woman that was outside of this like general commercial area and she was not doing well you know she was uh i don't know if she was in uh uh what is it called when you're uh, detoxing from drugs um what is it called withdrawing withdrawal yeah yeah she was in withdrawal symptoms i would guess just not doing well and it reminded me of like whatever first world problems you know like we talk about or or think about or again Plenty of us have plenty of actual situations going on. But when you talk about whether it's addiction, withdrawal, uh, you know, where's my next meal going to come from? Do I even care about that? Because I have some chemical things going on. Like there are legit, like I, you, you may not even feel like a human, you know, situations that, that people are dealing with. And I kind of thought, again, this is going to be <laughs> callous, but this is what this section is for. I kind of thought that way, you know, when people are hand-wringing about, you know, oh, week five is tough for my dynasty team, you know, and like lineups. But I think the life and, and dynasty team connection here is that there's more than meets the eye. Like people can, like you can have a dynasty team that looks fine and yet it's, it's a paper, you know, it's made of glass, you know, that it's going to break. You're very close to the line. You may not have depth. Um, and also... I think it's, you know, there's more than meets the eye and you need to look at these dynasty teams of like, hey, I got shelled in week five. I'm two and three. But you know what? It's process. Process means two and three, you're not out of it. One and four, I'm not folding up the tent. You know, I just have, I have a lot of outs here. You know, I have a lot of ways where 
if week five was an S show for you and you you were four starters down, three of them are coming back this week. What's the problem? You're kind of, you know, I, I would rather have a, a game that I give up as opposed to one guy's out for four straight weeks and I'm a partial lineup and I'm scrambling and I lose all those games by single digits. Like you could, the, there are small margins here with head to head and the schedule and all this stuff. So just know that there's a lot more to meet the eye than just what you see. And again, there could be normal people you see in your, your daily life that are not doing well behind the scenes. And I think the same applies with dynasty that there are people, there are teams that, that's why we always say check on how they're doing because there could be teams that are two and three and they're like, they almost don't want to contend, you know? So you always mm-hmm. need to reach out and say like, how you doing in life or in dynasty, because they might be the team that's going to fire sale in the next 72 hours that you're like, I wouldn't fire sale that. Well, guess what? They are. So uh, you never know how they're doing unless you check in. Uh, and again, it's whether it's someone in your life um, or someone, if if you see them on the street, guess what? Some people are there because they have to be. Some people are there, frankly, because they might want to be, you know? So there's a lot of different things going on there, I think, between Dynasty and and people you encounter. Yeah, absolutely. You never know what's, what what it lays beyond what meets your eye, right? And um, you might be surprised what you find. So yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. Kind of knock on those doors. Because the other thing too, right? What you perceive or what you think about a team might be vastly different than what they think about a team, right? Yeah. And, you know, our roster constructions are are proof positive of that, right? Consistently, our rosters look very different than other rosters do. Um, and, right, so what, what our assumptions are that we're bringing to a problem, an issue, a, a, a judgment, might be very different than what that person's process it so just sort of always keep that in mind and again that's why i don't think trade offers are offensive because you don't know what they're gonna you don't know where they're gonna land or what the person thinks about what you're sending an offer on great example um there is a process uh for one of my leagues that uh if you dispute the trade then it goes to like this voting tribal council of um, a cross section of other similar leagues. And it says, you know, like, do you think the deal is fair? Do you think it is an advantage to team A or team B in a lopsided fashion? And the funny thing is, uh, my co-owner and I, we had a, 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 a trade that got disputed. And the interesting thing, obviously we thought <laughs> that it was, we had the advantage, you know, that, oh my gosh, like, is this so lopsided? It's going to get overturned or something. And again, very, very few trades ever get overturned for the record. But the interesting part is, I think it was something like five thought it was fair or no, seven thought it was fair. Five thought it was slanted in the other team's direction. <laughs> so who, like, like to say that you ever know what's going on there. Um, and again, so like your prism. So we we thought it was like, oh, we got the steal. We got a steal right here. And then obviously the consensus, at least of those 12 voters, was nobody thought that it was lopsided in our direction. And about half of them thought it was lopsided in the other direction. I thought that would have been the best dynasty story, though, if it's like we thought we got one over on the other team and then it gets overturned because everyone thinks it's slanted against us. <laughs> so the trade doesn't stand and the other team is pleased as punch. We are pleased at punch. Like that's the true win-win, right? Yeah. If we love the deal and the other team is like, man, I got such a great deal. I mean, that's awesome. That's awesome that I always say it'd be so boring if dynasty, everyone had the same values. Yeah, 
this trading would be so formulaic. Everything would be even Steven. They'd be like, well, you have to add a second because I'm AI and I'm telling you what the trade needs to be. You want this player? Okay, this is what you trade. <laughs> right. Like a calculator would formulate all offers. You need running back. I need wide receiver. You add a second round pick deal done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, what's on the premium side of Dynasty Think Tank this week over at patreon.com slash Dynasty Think Tank? Yeah, we already did our after hours, uh, dove, de- dove deep on a whole bunch of stuff. We're going to do a deeper dive as well. Some surprising players. We uh, In the after hour show, we talked about some different waiver strategies. I think we went for like an, uh, more than 45 minutes on that show. We'll go deeper dive as well. So all the content you can want, right? go over patreon.com slash dynasty think tank, support the show, be there. Um, and again, it might be, we gotta, we'll gotta. have to talk. It's got to be live show uh, season as well coming up here, midway part of the season here. Maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll do another live one. Ooh, uh, I like that. The, uh, I like the sound of that next week. Yeah, yeah maybe. We, we had a good, sh- good showing, initial showing uh, last month. And yeah, I mean, at least monthly, if not, you know, maybe every three weeks. But yeah, it's it's time time we should have some people with some questions on team direction and you know moves to make and all that and it's probably about time you know some of the content you're doing is probably similar right team direction stuff and yep. you know are you in are you out pivotal times pivotal mid-season times there uh, yep. great stuff all right so as always thanks for listening to dynasty think thank you can follow us on twitter at chad parsons nfl and at mcnamara dynasty plus we have our own dynasty content streams analytics of dynasty.com and uth dynasty.com as always unlock your ceiling and seek elite results 